Welcome to the BioCharisma Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Gardner. Today, we have back Dr. Narco Longo. I wrangled this dude in after seeing his El Portal video. Uh, it completely synced with me meeting with a, a old friend of mine that was initiated into the Chekwa or Kichwa shaman lineage in, Nor- or I think it was Southern Colombia essentially the Andean mountains and what's happening through the podcast. I hope you can follow the line, but essentially there's this link from the ancient world between ancient architecture and the, the holy waters and these holy springs and also with health, (laughs) even going to the structured water in our body. So, uh, Enjoy this podcast with with Dr. Longo. Uh, We talk a lot about what's going on in Miami, the current uh, archaeological finds that they're finding down there, and uh, just the the brilliance that the old network of, I mean, what are we going to call them, post-Atlantean people that traveled all throughout the Americas. And... um, there was a really cool sync too with his latest video about lightning because that once again the uh and please correct me if i'm wrong but uh the valley i lived in in costa rica was known as the diamante verde valley which was like the the green diamond valley and uh i was told by somebody that's in sanskrit diamante meant diamond <laughs> or excuse me D- diamante meant uh lightning in Sanskrit. So it, it's remarkable what's starting to occur with people's fascination with electroculture and telluric currents and cathedrals. It's just, it's just awesome. So check out Longo at Old World Florida. Um, he's Old World Florida on Instagram and Old World Florida on YouTube because he's just releasing excellent content. And I'll see you on the flip side. We are back with Languito, Dr. Languito. And uh, man, I have to say, I watched your your El Portal video a day after. <laughs> I talked all afternoon with a, a Quechua or Quechua. Really? Yeah, I think I sent you that message. Um, a friend of mine had been initiated into their medicine work about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And he was giving me the background history of of the the Colombian side of the Andes, the I guess it would be Southern Colombia, and like where the the different shaman the shamans that are on that side of the Andes. It's wild, man. And so when you, watching that video of you with the El Portal, and then with the cave, I mean. I think we. I think before we dive into the specifics, I think if you could give like an overview to to my viewers exactly the 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 larger scale aspect of what you've uncovered with the Miami Miami Circle, and then also now with El Portal. Right. Right. Well, first off, good to be back. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Um, 
And, you know, uh, for anyone who hasn't seen those three videos, it's, it's kind of been an informal trio or a trilogy, I guess. Mm -hmm. But um, you, would, you couldn't really tell from the titles. But we took, you know, an expedition, and I use that word comedically, but um, we took an, an expedition down to Miami um and basically we, we set out to go film the miami circle which i think a lot of people know what the miami circle is <clears throat> well then there's the new 444 brickle site which kind of really popped off recently um that's m most people know it by the quote that's going around downtown miami older than the pyramids older than you know this is is kind of what is the sound bite that's getting thrown around. It's a site in downtown Miami. The Miami Circle was found in, I think, 1998. The news site was a couple months ago, or at least a year ago, and they've only publicly unveiled it. Um, and basically, that was the first part, and then the second part, and then the third part, we ended up discovering a cave like like you mentioned but the connections that we are drawing um and, and how the portal comes into play is that in the first two videos in the miami circle there's a strange connection to peru mm -hmm. now this is pre-columbian mm -hmm. by you know a thousand years at least probably and then you have a star map so it's a star map. When, can, can you describe when the Colombian period was? Oh, I don't know. I don't know about Colombia. I just meant before Columbus showed up, 19, uh, sorry, 1492. So okay. before that, the Miami Circle, they haven't even, even really dated. They, they won't come out with an official date. They'll say 2,000 years ago, 1,000 years ago. Mm -hmm. they're, they're always afraid to push things back before that 2000 threshold. Right. But um, basically, it's a circle. It's a cutout circle in the bedrock. And that's another thing that makes it significant is this circle cut into the bedrock is the only instance of manipulated bedrock on the eastern coast by a pre-Columbian people, eastern coast of America, North America. So, um, or the United States, Mexico excluded, mm -hmm. but Atlantic, Atlantic coast of America, you have limestone bedrock dug into very deeply, but beyond that, it's, it's a big circle, I think 25 feet across about, well, it's not only is it, um, they don't know what it is. They, they, the experts think it's a teepee, like a big fancy teepee. Now, that can be debunked pretty easily because there's no ch charcoal or evidence of fire being burned. Mm -hmm. So d dwellings typically had fire in or close to them. The Miami Circle does not. Mm -hmm. And my Miami Circle was 1998. They found something else in 2012 that was pretty significant. But the Miami Circle, they don't know what it is, the experts. Well, a genius, I think his name's... Andis Collins, Andis Collins. I don't know what country he's from, but some genius figured out that it's a star map. He overlaid the constellations 
of the zodiac mm -hmm. onto this circle, which is a perfect circle of the sky. And um, basically, it's that's impressive enough. But what's crazy is that it's not a picture of the sky from Miami, viewed from Miami. It's mm -hmm. a picture of the sky viewed from Nazca, Peru. Wow. So what else is Nazca, Peru famous for? For its, you know, pictures that are meant to be viewed from the sky. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The Nazca. Or, exactly. So the Nazca lines have in themselves um, denote some type of aerial viewing, right? Mm -hmm. Well, when you take that into cons into consideration with Miami, Miami Circle, having a snapshot of the sky, the stars as viewed from Nazca, Peru, in around the year 1100, is what they're saying. The guy who made the star map, who discovered the star map um, sequence in the Miami Circle, because he has Halley's Comet. There's the largest hole in the Miami Circle shows Halley's Comet. Um, mm. I can pull it up actually. That would, yeah, that would... yeah, please pull that up. Because when I was watching the video, I didn't actually catch, I didn't catch how they embedded Haley's comment. Here we yeah. go. Do you know about the Peruvian way of actually carving stone with um, a, a plant extract? I don't. Yeah. Um... Yeah, the Spanish conquistadors were watching, um, you know, this was actually post-Columbian, uh, post-Columbus, but, you know, quite a while, a, a long time ago, they were seeing how, I forget where they were in the Andes, but they were watching one of these tribes use this plant extract mixed with this bird feces, and they, the way they described it was they would mix it together and it would they would put it on stone and it would liquefy the stone. Wow. Yeah. And then they could push the stone and, you know, essentially mold and sculpt it. Mm -hmm. And um, I believe the, the researcher Max Egan uh, wrote a bunch about this like 10 or 12 years ago. And it was really cool. It solved a lot of problems with... Um, with like a lot of these cliffside dwelling um, that, that were like apparently carved into the limestone of, of the cliffs and things like that. Mm -hmm. They were essentially just used this medium to bore their holes because they actually saw, I mean, uh, from what I've learned from the shamans in that area, like the plants give them all these different alchemical remedies and all all sorts of ways of working with the plants to to modify you know their consciousness modify their environment it's really amazing mm -hmm. yeah that's very interesting do you follow paul cook at all you know you turned me on to paul cook so i've okay. actually i've actually watched probably about 10 videos of his in the last two months or so he's the best in the game in terms of geopolymers and mm -hmm. liquid stone or um, soft stone, so to speak. 
he, he has many different names he uses and different types. They're not all the same. It's not mm -hmm. just a, but he's dealing mainly with Britain and Gibraltar or Malta. Malta. Mm -hmm. So um, he's, and he shows some incredible, incredible stuff. So he doesn't have as much access into like the um, uh, history, the native, you know, um, take on how they might have been doing it. Uh, granted, he's not in, in the Americas either, right. but he um, shows some great stuff, some great evidence for certainly liquid stone, like you'll have cables being ran <laughs> ran through like a block that is larger than, than any block in the pyramids, bigger than anything, and there's no way they could have drilled to route to right. route to route this cable through. Mm -hmm. there's no way because it, it takes angles you know you name it and it, it's just impossible for mm -hmm. for solid stone in the way that we think um now of course you've got your sound frequency manipulation there's mm -hmm. people who talk the new earth channel that i think we we talked about last time um uh, she used to talk about mushroom stone and growing stone oh, wow. it's almost like almost like a chia pet <laughs> or something like uh one yeah. of these like a very a mixture that when sprinkled with water almost similar to what you're describing would kind of ooze up in like bubble like a science experiment and then that um almost like a foam like insulate like foam insulation mm -hmm. you know and that's how they do it you know you end up with 20 ton boulder no problem just that foam, just that foam. makes that makes so much more sense to me now i see a lot of that evidence for foam rock mushroom rock and like growing styrofoam type rock that basically would be like a almost like a bubble bath bubble when you when you cast when you cast it you know like a big almost like uh just uh not even styrofoam less dense than styrofoam and then it would harden into petrify into and now that was she was showing a lot of that in around like eastern europe and so, now, check, so check it out brother i am actually bringing to market what i call coral domes and it's it's aircrete so essentially right. I, I mix tons of bubbles yeah. into a, a cementaceous slurry and then we you know cast it in whatever shape we want and there you go and it really is like for the people out there that don't have the mind of these things like when you see a huge rock i don't think a lot of people understand the weight that is that that thing weighs like i i don't <laughs> think most people really understand mass <laughs> and so right. It's a huge problem with the way we were told history was done with these these grand structures because there's no accounting for how they could move the mass, the weight. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. it makes so much more sense that there's, you know, these these geopolymers, these mushroom rocks, these coral like substances because nature makes this air creep all the time in the in the in the as coral so 
there's so many things mm-hmm. out there that you know that could help us and i'm sure they've all been kind of hidden hidden from the common folk because once you start to get into all of that there's over unity all the time you know yeah oh yeah is this up for you on your end yeah it's totally up time circle yeah so yeah before we get too far away from this this is just what we were describing this is the miami circle this is downtown miami if you've ever been partying in miami if you've ever had a layover in miami and you went to you know the the downtown of the downtown this is essentially uh, there's a good chance you were standing on or near this thing if you walked your dog near downtown miami there's a 99 percent chance your dog is uh taking a shit on top of this <laughs> they, they actually call this dog shit park in miami seriously that's okay. like its nickname because everyone brings their dog there from the high rises it's like the only little grassy patch in the area right but yeah <clears throat> and they don't mark it very well it the they should have a glorious monument there but Mm -hmm. whatever so you can probably deduce from this title the miami circle in florida marks southern hemisphere stars so viewed from the southern hemisphere florida's not in the southern southern hemisphere and the perihelion passage of halley's comet in lupus on the celestial meridian in 1131 bc near equinox day the sky horizon as pictured can only have been viewed at or near nazca peru and this goes into the detail here on either side but this largest hole so not only did he link up all all of the um all of the constellations star for star but the dead giveaway is that Halley's Comet is precisely where the largest hole on this thing is. And this hole, Halley, shows the exact time that this might have been built, right? 1131 BC, roughly 3,000 years ago. And yeah, now this is on one side of the Brickle Bridge. Right on the other side of the Brickle Bridge is the new 444 Brickle site, which is the new site that they just uncovered. They're about to build a high rise right on top of it. Mm-hmm. There's like a, there's a legal battle going on to stop that at the moment, but um, we're, we'll see what's going to happen with that. But the Miami Circle, they dated to like 2,000 years ago. This star map shows 3,000 years ago. Well, well, the evidence they're finding, even that they're putting out in the mainstream, in the 444 Brickle site, shows 7,000 years ago. What's, so the old, rel- what's the relics there? Like, what, what are they finding that's there? At now, all that they've shown to the public, I've gone through it. It's mostly like uh, stingray barbed, stingray barbs, um, fish hooks, little like uh, nut looking things, like little uh, loop beads type things, uh, shark teeth tools, things mm-hmm. like that. 
And um, so nothing like extraordinary, but the, they can already tell based on the layers that they're finding things in and uh, that it's 7,000 years ago. But what, why is that important? These two sites have a secret or unofficial link to the portal of El Portal, Florida. Mm -hmm. So the names of places often are not, you know, don't come to us from, from the official story that we're told. Now, El Portal, we're told, means gate or the gates or just entrance. And it either meant an entrance to the Little River in Miami, entrance to, there was an arched entranceway in front of the neighborhood that might have, that might be where it got its name. Well, anyone who's seen the video, I recommend um, people go watch the video, El Portal, the mm -hmm. portal, portal of El Portal, Florida. Um, we might have found the portal, the portal of El Portal, right? Because we went to a Tequesta burial mound. So Tequesta is the same tribe that this downtown Brickle stuff is. The Tequesta, who were also called the Chequesta, Chequesta, they had a burial mound a little bit north of downtown Miami, and that's El Portal, Florida. El Portal. Well, we went to this mound, right? And when we went to the mound, yeah, there it is. If you scroll down a little bit, it's right above Little Haiti. So El Portal is right above Little Haiti. It might not show it. Yeah, I've been Florida. in this area a bunch. Oh, there it is. Yeah. 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 And we went to this neighborhood. We went to the Indian Mound. This guy told me to move my van because I parked too close to the, the mound. Ian? And, uh, Ian, yeah. And Ian basically owns some property right there, right next to the mound. And he, we got to talking. He was telling us about the mound on camera. And then he told me he had a cave on his property. So we went and we looked at the cave. And that's what we filmed the video about uh, mostly. And not only is this just a cave, it's you know, not just a, a physical um, feature. This is like a, has a big spiritual history in the area and ian himself is somewhat of a shaman um, i can feel it he's exactly like my friend that was the shaman yeah. that i've been telling you about that got initiated in columbia with the <laughs> yeah like they're 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 spitting images of each other and i was just like dude here's your uh, soul brother i know yeah he's he's the druid of that little neighborhood right there which is actually called sherwood like robin hood's uh, wood so dude think, think of the resonance pattern think of the resonance pattern that you have in the british isles to, yep. to, 
to go along with the medicine work that's happening all the way down in Central America. Because the second you showed the cave, I could feel the whole vibe. I felt like I was in the medicine work. Mm-hmm. Like oh, you, yeah. you were very uh, good with, uh, well, actually, I don't even know. I don't know your history at all. I don't know if you've ever done any of the, down there, the Chikwa call ayahuasca. They call it yage. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, man, like I, I felt the vibes in there. I'm like, the second he said, yeah, you know, I've, I've turned around and there's indigenous people here. I was like, oh, yeah, they're not just paying homage. They're also, you know, they they charge, yeah. they charge areas with their with their ritual. Oh, yeah. I asked him, is this place on their radar? And he said, yeah, they I said, you know, we were talking more off camera, too. I'm like, how do they know to come here? Right. You know, do they have the GPS coordinates? You, you know, these are he's like, no, these are it's usually m- most of their first time ever being here. They'll just, you know, they know somehow it's either an oral instructions of how to get there. And there's landmarks that just don't change over thousands of years. You know, this river forks into this river and there's the spot. Can't miss it. And it might be that simple coming from Peru. By the way, these are, it's usually Peruvian shamans that he was talking about. Mm -hmm. But there are other tribes, North America, other continents. Uh, We didn't really get into it, but there was an emphasis on Peru. Now that's interesting because the Tequesta or the Chequesta are... um, the the nazca star map you have the fact that the tequesta are depicted in miami blowing a conch Mm -hmm. that is another distinct feature of peruvian shamans of the what do they call them the quechua 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 right now i also noted the similarity between the names quechua and chequa because if it's chequesta chequa and Quechua and these people seem to be cousins ancestral you know in ancient times there's some link where they keep showing up at this guy's doorstep trying to get into this cave to utilize it mm-hmm. um yeah it's you know I was just passing through Jekyll Island and I this always makes me think like there's a good and, and a bad to these things too why did the people signing the federal or drafting the federal reserve they were all in new york when they were coming up with the idea but then they all traveled to the georgia florida border mm-hmm. jekyll island jekyll island to formally draft their ideas and as soon as they were done they just got up and left well why did they have to go there similarly why does a peruvian shaman need to get up pack up shop and go in to downtown miami travel a thousand miles you know whatever it is whatever the distance is what how does it benefit him is it is it as simple as connecting with different ancestors you know well you know as well as i do because you're into timing as an astrologer frequency is location timing is everything so they pick these powerpoints to anchor very specific frequencies and Mm -hmm. they know 
like I love your work with all the mounds all throughout the these golf courses. Like the second you said, oh, yeah. I always wondered why because I hated golf because I'm not built like a golfer, but my family was into golf, and I was like, what a waste of prime real estate. They would pick all these like beautiful mm -hmm. areas for for golf, and now you made you you made sense to me. I was like, oh my god, that's right. The only place that has hills in Florida are these golf places they're just using they're just they're just harnessing the power the ka you know mm -hmm. the 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 embodied energy of of what's in the bones and what's yep. left over they're they're harnessing it to their benefit yeah with their conductive spiked shoes oh that's <laughs> awesome the grounding yeah. of it yeah and the rod the lightning rods and the um yeah the cart girls there's the element of <laughs> of like uh temple temple uh prostitutes you know too uh, that's so true yeah so you were at jekyll so before we hop over to jekyll island because i have a ton of questions about your experience sure. so you have the miami miami circle you have this 444 uh what is it 444 brickle yep and now you have the El Portal. Was there a triangulation that you could see? Like, was there? It's not. A, um, no, because it's really that they're on either side of a river. Um, you have, there's a bridge and the bridge crosses this river. Okay. Well, not on either side of the bridge, but on either side of one side of the bridge, on either side of the street. If mm -hmm. that makes sense right yeah. the street goes over the bridge well this bridge has a pillar a bronze pillar depicting Takesta, women children men a warrior at the top with a bow and it's it's very trippy exactly where the guy with the bow is is where the miami circle points to this the constellation sagittarius uh, the, arch, the, the archer yeah. and then downtown brickle uh, its logo, that area, that neighborhood of downtown Miami is an archer. Mm -hmm. So it's an archer with a bow, a Takesta archer. So as for the triangulation, the 444 site and the Miami Circle are right across the street from each other, mm -hmm. right across the street. And that street turns into the bridge that crosses the Miami River, mm -hmm. the Miami River. And once you go um, farther north, you cross the Little River. And the Little River is that river in, in Ian's backyard. And that is where the mound is. That's actually the like the highest elevation in that area, natural elevation in Miami, Dade County, is that little mound right there. And there used to be more mounds um, of that sort. And who knows what else is dug into that hillside because that entire hill is just oolitic limestone clumped up. It's just a solid mass of limestone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's wonderful. So with, with those, with that, we're talking about timing of having these essentially Andean tribes come up through Central America, come over the Caribbean, let's let's revisit your model of atlantis and the what the crescent circle what the crescent um essentially what 
the the fertile crescent was relative to Cuba. Then let's mm. just kind of build a timeline here because this <laughs> is very interesting. Sure. Because these guys were probably coming up paying homage to their Atlantean forebears. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I was to guess. Yes. Now, you know, timelines is, is kind of it's admitted admittedly hard to establish because you're trying to turn, you know, something very abstract into you're trying to quantify it. It's not always so easy. Now, there are other tells for me, and I just had a video about giants. Now, historically, we can be pretty sure that since the most recent flood, human beings have only gotten smaller. Smaller, yes. Now, how old are the burials of the tallest people? That can tell us something, especially in Florida, which is a place that would have been a safe haven in times of mass freezing mass um plato says that when when fire comes from the sky you know destruction from the sky that low-lying places are most protected mm -hmm. by the water so granted florida would be most susceptible to flooding but if we know when the last high tide was in the grand in the grand scale um, after the before the recent ice age blah 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 you have mammoth bones in florida so we know the mammoth was living in florida longest longer than anywhere else uh, more recently so the giant's bones typically dated to um well it's tough and this gets into jekyll island too because yes. they actually had giants on display at Jekyll Island in ple in plexiglass, like like they dug into a mound, hit bone, hit, uncovered the skeleton, and then plexiglassed the skeleton right there. And you, and you used to be able to view an eight and a half foot skeleton at Jekyll Island. Those but um, they used to call these people the children of the dawn. Um, these people around North Florida, Georgia, and these well, hell, two... you know, the whole thing with the skull and bones guys, and they're keeping the skull of Geronimo, just trying to pull the prana off of that. Yeah. Imagine, imagine some Tequesta chief that's like 10 foot tall and lived 500 years and like, you know, had that whole mm -hmm. area. Like, imagine the prana that's in that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, to, the, this is Temukua. So, Temukua up here, um, they were said, their chiefs were said to be up upwards of eight feet tall, living 350 years. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's who um, Rockefeller built his cottage he built his cottage on top of one of their sacrificial altars on Jekyll Island. And you can hear a great interview with Tim Bentz um, and Rob Skiba. Tim Bentz talks about going to Jekyll Island years ago and seeing the giants on display that used to be on display there. Um, 
and yeah he how said that ben, how do you spell bents b-e-n-t-z c-e i think like pence but with a b like pence okay tim bents yeah and tim bents he was on i don't know what show it was but he was getting interviewed by rob skiba and then i first heard about this on robert sepper's channel or atlantean gardens maybe but um he posted this like years ago and i recently got into it because i was just i was just in jekyll island like i said driving driving through there and it's a first off it's a tree graveyard Here. so it's like a, what was that i'm sorry no it was the i i just threw up the video okay yeah but um jekyll island is like a trees graveyard it's where all these big trees die or i don't know if they appear to wash up on the beach or if they die and the beach has slowly crept up into the forest mm -hmm. but um it's a graveyard of dead trees like half petrified sticking out of the, be the beach sand and it's a very eerie place very eerie now you're uh, somebody i need to talk to and we'll get we'll get right back onto jekyll island but sure petrification okay so much bs at least i i learned so much bs about petrification okay you were getting into the bogmen of florida and you know how well preserved their bodies were and i've just recently you know found this out through permaculture means like there's a very there's a, a layer if you ever have a pond or a lake and you're and you're dredging it yeah there's a layer of this mud that's anaerobic that preserves everything because mm -hmm. no bacteria can grow in it and so like if you ever wanted to kill like you know some whatever some plant grows somewhere you just throw this clay on it this this undermass and it it, it kills it but it's also where everything like it sounds like that's where your bog people were found in that layer of where there's it's just completely anaerobic there's no yes yeah that's the best place to find artifacts in florida is the a place where water is not flowing but it's been sitting and exactly. muck there's been muck that's just still even not even water just wet just uh, perpetually moist and damp enough to an extent where like you're saying it's it's more of a muck than a mud and this preserves like like the bog bodies the bog water preserves better than anything okay better better than the mummification of uh, the pharaohs this is like a body goes in and comes out 2000 years later 7000 years later exactly how it went in and yes. When they, when they pulled up some of these bodies, um, you know who's who's seen um, Lord of the Rings when Frodo falls into the uh, he's he's walking over a bog. They get led into a bog, mm -hmm. and what is it? There's an entire. It's kind of like a, a ghost thing, but mm -hmm. there's an entire army laying dead, yes, uh, j just barely under the surface of the bog, mm -hmm. and they're they're kind of like on ice it, it looks like 
So this goes to your Jekyll Island thing. The, yeah. It ended up in that story using the caw of this trapped army to beat yeah. the to beat the forces of Mordor or whatever. <laughs> so, you, so you have you have you have Mister you know Rockefeller or whoever on Jekyll Island. Who mm-hmm. knows what? Like we said, the, what was the name of the 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 Indian tribe up in that area? The Tamukwa. The Tamukwa. Tamukwa. Right. So you you have that energy, like you know, totally in the land, and they obviously picked that island to set off the world's biggest Ponzi scheme ever for a reason. Oh yeah. Now, uh, allegedly, this wasn't just a sacrificial altar because there are sacrificial altars all over the place. You know the the um, Atlas stone that I showed in my Saxer Stones documentary is this big 10,000, 15,000 pound boulder that has a like prototypical, prototypical um, male face and then a female face carved etched into the stone and it's been there for thousands of years and they say that that might be Tamukua as well well that's over by tampa bay um that has enough iron oxide on it to where they think that might have been a blood sacrifice altar at some point now that might not be what it was created for but um less developed peoples when they find wonderful things will often interpret them as spots that are auspicious for sacrifice you know what i mean can it, so can I, can I interject with that sure as this is part of like the first time i reached out to you was talking to you about the dye and the magnetite of costa rica mm-hmm. so you have all these beaches all on the Pacific coast of Central America going all the way down into the Peru where you have tons of magnetite, which is the iron oxide that you're talking about. Hmm. Iron oxide is one of the, the number one things that's ejected from volcanoes when they explode. So you have these beautiful black sand beaches, especially, I, I can't speak for any other country, other, countries other than Nicaragua and Costa Rica, but I could go with a magnet along the dry beach and get, you know, an endless amount of magnetite, which is iron oxide. Wow. And so there were these balls, these spheres all throughout Central America that they were trying to figure out what, how they were made. And oddly enough, I saw this video where NASA was trying to explain away all these little spheres from their Mars rover, and mm-hmm. they, they gave up the goat. They said, oh, well, when lightning hits magnetite, which is iron oxide, it, it, it creates like little ball bearings, like perfect spheres. Wow. So I wrote a bunch of articles for different magazines in Central America saying, hey, these perfect spheres that you find all throughout the forest and on the coast weren't carved because they're like solid. Some of them are solid igneous rock and some of them are solid magnetite. I was like, these things were, were caused by lightning. Mm-hmm. You know, the word Diamante, like the valley I lived in was Diamante Valley. Well, Diamante in Sanskrit means lightning. Does it? So, oh. 
diamond lightning you have these crazy storms come through lightning strikes the ground boom and then you have all these wow. incredible like because the the there's so much magnetite and bauxite everywhere that it would be so easy for that to form so maybe the these like i'm i'm painting a picture i don't know if you're painting this picture what i see in my mind is there's just this natural way to come up central america from south america go across through cuba up to florida and pay homage to your atlantean i mean they probably didn't call it that obviously but you know they were just hey here's this we'll we'll make this magnetite statue for you and Mm -hmm. the cool thing about magnetite if it is true iron oxide it's magnetic and i know you've liked to talk about the lodestone Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've got Iron Mountain in Florida, which is not much of a mountain, but it's the highest point in peninsular Florida. That's where Bach Tower is sitting on top of. Right. And this spot, Iron Mountain, is packed full of iron oxide. And there is red ochre in the ground, right? And not only that, they think that they don't know where it came from because it's that's not very unlike the the ground composition in florida you have an element that's not typically there in such a high concentration at a very high elevation well they think that it might be a trace of a meteor something came down and left that there Mm. and not only that that area was revered by the local tribes who would worship it like a holy mountain Mm. so this is you know your lodestone effect where a magnetic object sets a psycho spiritual um, virus or bug into effect not a virus not in a freaky way it can be a good thing too but you know what impulse this just made me think of where I used to go in India. There's a holy mountain there called Tiruvannumalai. Mm-hmm. And, oh, it's also known as Arunachala. And that mountain, everybody thought was holy, but it used to be a volcano. Okay. And so the the lore was that it was Shiva incarnate because when Shiva would explode, you know, you know, havoc would occur. But yet, then all the fields around would be rejuvenated with the soot and the ash and all the things that would come from the volcano right Mm -hmm. as it went dormant it became like the mecca for all the indian sage gurus to go to to this day like you do your pujas around tiravanumalai and so but here we are around the volcano and i know in costa rica there's seven well, I don't know how many active volcanoes there are now, but there are all these volcanoes and then you have all this magnetite. So therefore you have all this magnetic material. It makes me wonder what was Lake Okeechobee? Mm-hmm. Maybe Lake Okeechobee at one time was like a, like a super volcano or something like that. Because think about it. We still don't know what caused the flood. You know, we have the we had the biblical story. I'm I'm a hundred percent with you, and we could probably revisit that for people that that don't know your hypothesis. But 
Florida was essentially the push-off point for what we're calling the Atlantean civilization. And, you know, post-Atlantean civilization, what in the Old Testament we're talking about, the, the time of Noah, you know, you know, getting on the ark and leaving, Mm-hmm. There was something that caused the water to rise. There was something that caused a, an inundation of, yeah. of, of record amount. And Florida, as you've shown with all these massive Saxer stones and like, man, I, I bet you that whole thing was covered at one point with water. Oh, yeah. Now, I think that a lot. there's many different methods or types of cataclysm that could have caused this flood. And but I think we should pay attention to what it says in the Old Testament, um, where it says that not only did the rain fall from above, now that can happen anywhere. Rain can fall from above. It can rain for 40 days, <clears throat> 40 days anywhere. <clears throat> well, where's my water? Well, um, what else does it say in that instance that the it didn't just rain for 40 days but god i'm paraphrasing he opened up the floors he opened up the um the earth and let it issue forth water Mm -hmm. It, it wasn't just water falling from above he opened up the earth something he something like that he opened up something and water came up, pumped up from underneath. Now that sounds like a more likely um, explanation of how you get, you know, not just a 20-foot flood, but a 50-foot flood, a 500-foot flood. And, you know, 50 meters, a 50-meter flood would cover all of peninsular Florida mm-hmm. except for the tiny little island that Bach Tower is sticking out of at the top of Iron Mountain. Mm-hmm. So Iron Mountain would be sticking out and all of Peninsular Florida would be gone. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have to be a worldwide flood. Remember, it was just the Garden of Eden and the Promised Land that was, um, that was flooded. So Peninsular Florida would flood almost all of it would disappear with 20 feet of water right Mm -hmm. 50 feet of water even more so but um i'll tell you what what else i think has happened the gulf stream has always been there and always will be you have the sacral chakra of the planet uh issuing forth the highest magnitude spring water on the planet with the highest concentration on the planet right there at the rim of the crescent like i talk about so much well well when it's coming out right there it's it's coming out it's oozing out of soft limestone sponge like not not very sponge like it's still stone but it's porous limestone now a lot of times in these sinkholes in florida you'll see a sinkhole occur and then as soon as the ground caves in, boom, you know, uh, spring water will start pumping up. Mm-hmm. Not, it won't shoot up like a geyser, but as soon as that um, pressure 
is kind of uh, released or there's a, there's a breach in the seal mm -hmm. in one of these underground karsts. Well, you might have a complete shift in the water table level and the water table might come up in an area, mm -hmm. you know, so there might be a sinkhole in the neighborhood over from yours. And if that goes down, yours might go up. There's a, almost like a hydraulic system in a lot of these karsts and caves and aquifer um, underground rivers under all of the, all of peninsular Florida is on top of these. Well, blah, blah, blah. If you, so if you view this as a, um, as a, uh, what would I say? Almost like a watermelon. <laughs> Basically, if, if something hit Florida hard enough and, and gashed open the limestone enough, because it already falls in upon itself almost every day, there's a sinkhole in Florida. Tampa Bay is the sinkhole capital of the world, Hillsborough County. Um, there's, there's another tie to your Greek mythology, by the way. There's sinkholes all over the mythologies of the world. Well, Greece doesn't get many sinkholes. Right. Peninsular Florida gets a shit ton of sinkholes. It gets a sh some of the most lightning on the planet. Well, there's your god of lightning. There's mm -hmm. your there's your god of the underworld. You know, other countries would have no conception of of deities like this if if they're not seeing lightning in the sky every day. If they're not seeing the the ground cave out underneath them. You know, an entire football field just boom collapsing in that happens regularly in the tampa bay area not to sound it not to make it sound uh, dangerous or anything but um blah 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 if something from the sky a meteor a bomb that's a little out there i don't talk about that much but if something breached this surface bedrock limestone in florida and it was strong enough and it gashed down deep enough it could trigger a, a big, big reactionary flow and mm -hmm. a big, big oozing upward of an extreme amount of water, like an amount of water that does not stop. Okay, you have places like Wakulla Springs, Wikiwachi, Florida, that pump out millions and millions and millions of gallons of water every single day. Like it's not like it's nothing, uh, you know, a slow day for them is still stronger than, you know, entire continents have in terms of fresh water coming to the surface. So the Florida is teeming with springs like this. If you were to trigger or to, um, you were to tamper with that, or if something were to crash down and break a seal, you could have water coming up from underneath. And you also have in Plato's account of Atlantis that the armies were warring over Atlantis or had just finished warring when you had an entire army sink into the sea or be swallowed up by the land, swallowed up by the sea. It might have been triggered by a meteor asteroid not sure but in the area like i said iron mountain you have remnants of an asteroid in the yucatan peninsula you certainly have the remnants of the big one of the biggest 
meteor impacts ever. Haiti, some of the tallest mountains in Haiti, which are teeming with things like iridium and these extremely valuable metals that come from, uh, don't come from underneath the ground there, but they're at the top of some of these mountains. Those are almost like a shotgun blast of meteors that have landed in the Caribbean. Things that don't belong in the ground there that are found at the tops of mountains. Well, you have a lot of evidence of things raining from the sky into the Caribbean, into the Gulf. So any one of these things could have triggered or coincided a uh, mass flood event. Yeah, and then you have all throughout the Fertile Crescent of you know, the Gulf of Mexico, you have all the stories of raining frogs, raining meat. Like you have okay, all yeah. these weird things that rain from the sky. And, you know, they mm -hmm. try and say, oh, it's a water spout. It's this or that. Like there's like, there's something going on with the Bermuda Triangle. I want, I want to like get back to the Jekyll Island thing and talk about this triangulation. Sure. That, that you have with the Bermuda Triangle going down um because there's i watched it my entire youth watching how hurricanes would move the whole thing there's something the reason why i resonate with your work is because you are taking physical real landscape fixture features and you are you essentially describing or you're you're creating the best narrative that describes what i've what i have physically seen in florida what the history that i was given was absolute bs around it so there are just weird phenomenon just the thing that you brought up with the with, between hurricanes between the tornadoes and not not so many tornadoes but like uh water, water spouts, spouts. Yeah, water lots spouts. of those we i mean every time we would go trolling out in the ocean we'd see water spouts the lightning i've i've been <laughs> like people that have haven't lived in south florida do not know what lightning is like i i can mm -hmm. anywhere else i've been in the world i'm like god oh, this isn't lightning <laughs> i mean it's yeah. nuts like the storms yeah. that the storms that will come off the Everglades is just like, the, I mean, they're more fierce than the storms that come, than come off the ocean with mm -hmm. the lightning at least. So there's just something from an energetic perspective. You have all this fresh water. Like you said, it's the sacral chakra and the sacral chakra, man, is all about generation, regeneration, you know, movement. I know you you identify as a Sagittarius. So there's like all this like, thigh thrusting movement type action going on mm -hmm. there the for that amount of pressure to be just underneath this like shallow little limestone shelf and it's just waiting to to pop up yeah and you've talked in your other videos a ton about the fertility in northern florida especially with the land there and then dude everybody and their brother has talked about the magnetic anomalies flying cessnas my my family's a family of pilots flying down from you know pennsylvania and stuff like that and they'd always get this little tick this magnetic tick when they were you know passing over central florida it was like there was no way you could get it out of your out of your equipment yeah so 
there is absolutely something very, very powerful that's in, in that, in that lower quadrant of the United States, especially in the Northern Florida area. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you just got to look at who else has moved here. Not only does the average well-off retired person move to, or spend significant time in Florida, but, um, you know, titans of industry and engineers of society always tend to end up in Florida, right up, right up um, to the beginning <clears throat> of the uh, age of industry. Rockefeller retired in Florida. You had Edison, you had Ford, all retiring in Florida, spending the last portion of their lives in Florida. Now, before it was fashionable, before that was the thing to do, you know, before that was a stereotype. So they kind of forged that stereotype. Henry Flagler, partner and co-founder of Standard Oil with John D. Rockefeller. Also, he didn't just retire to Florida. He, he practically created half of what we know as Florida in terms of the infrastructure and the railways and hotels and Talking, talk about geopolymer. Uh, go look at anything uh, Henry Flagler made in St. Augustine, allegedly made in St. Augustine, and you'll see some geopolymer that's not going anywhere for about 20,000 years. <laughs> There's these uh, hotels there that are solid castles. They're actually some of the only true castles on the planet because a castle has to be cast. That seems to be lost on most experts. Wow, that's so brilliant. That, a cast for that. Yeah, a castle is not built. Oh, put this stone here, and then this stone over there, and oh, that one goes there, and up, and oh no, they shot down the wall, and no, it's it's foolish, you know. Um, a castle is cast from the top down, just and like. That's what yeah. I do with my domes. We free cast. Yeah. Well. So we build the skeleton, uh, the the mechanical strength out of steel. We we start from the top and we cast it all the way down in the shape. You know, takes takes. Awesome. Form. So yeah. I, I I know exactly what you're talking about. And the same thing with our roofs, because all of our roofs look like flowers. So I free cast. We'll we'll put all the members exactly the way the the structural load bearing members, and then we free cast into place. Mm -hmm. Dude, that is such a cool thing, castle. So oh, yeah. you you were you were just about to talk about the tree graveyard before I threw threw a wrench in your plans. No, no, no worries. But here, I want to show you Saint Augustine. Um, not everyone's seen what it looks like. Some of these buildings are they're they're not just like old tabby houses like colonial tabby houses that you see in like boston or something where it's like a primitive cement no this is this is um advanced cement this is a shell-based concrete cement that I'm trying to get a good picture here for you to see but um here we go there you go can you see that yes Okay, so almost everything, all these structures you see here are coquina castles, cast 
shell-based cement. And they're almost all in Moorish architectural style, built, allegedly built around 1887, all done within 18 months. No way. There's this no one, fucking yeah. way. That whole thing was 18 months. No, this. that's a lie. And that's not only that, that's the, um, <laughs> on the inside, the carpentry is so exquisite. I've had multiple carpenters reach out to me and say, that alone would have taken three years. The, the uh, foyer, uh -huh. you know, the lobby, the carpentry they have. And if this picture right here, um, this is coming across the bridge from the ocean to downtown St. Augustine. If you, if this is about 1890, 1900, okay, they've got power lines. They they've do. got this, they've got the same power lines we do. Okay. And what is it? What are these apparatuses at the top of these uh, steeples? That's their electrostatic collectors. Yes. Now, uh, one of those towers holds cold water and the other tower holds hot water. Now, we took a tour recently and the way the tour guide said it was that one held clean water and the other held gray water. I'm not so sure about that. That may be what it is today, but with the hot on one end and cold on the other end, you have being suspended up in the air with that much water, you know, mass up in the air, having hot and cold at your disposal, having a uh, electric steam dynamo created by, allegedly created by Thomas Edison, it was certainly put in by Thomas Edison, this place opened in 1888, okay? Every single room and every hall had electricity. Fully electric, fully electric. Uh -huh. The most solid cast building on the planet. This is a single monolithic building, these buildings back here. Um, Just amazing. And if you, you know, if you showed, if you told someone this was Jerusalem, this picture, this down, this shot of, just this one street right here. You said, oh yeah, that's that's Tel Aviv. Oh yeah, that's um, a crusader town, you know. People say, okay, next next, next frame, you know, next slide. You would, No one would bat an eye if you showed this and said this was Jordan, Lebanon, some place that had 2,000 years of, you know, architectural history. No, this is Florida. This is the this is the starting place of the United States, as we know it. Mm -hmm. But still, it's not that old. Now, right across the street here, right across the street. God, that's and, and not only not only is the um, uh, architecture impressive, but look at the quality of this of this uh, photograph. I mean, that's better than that. Better than an iPhone camera. It's just black and white. <laughs> Seriously. What year I was mean, that one? Nineteen hundred. It looks like nineteen hundred. This is nineteen hundred or before. No later than nineteen hundred. Wow. If I if I had to guess, the horse and buggy. But long ago, cameras were only invented in eighteen fifty. <laughs> yeah, I know. But um, by the same guy, believe it or not, um. What's his face? Edison. Edison had a lot to do with the camera, but um, Ian 
not Ian, Glenn Curtis, the guy who built Opalaka that I talk about a lot. He actually worked at the company that would become Kodak Photography. Speaking of Opalaka and Zeppelins, you're going to shit yourself. Okay. My neighbor in Costa, he was he by the he was like you love his farm. He has every tropical fruit in the world. Like nice. he's literally gone everywhere in the world, mainly to South to Asia because you know Costa Rica is tropical, and I got all of my varieties of different fruit trees from him. Jesse mm -hmm. Blin, guess what he was in his professional life? What? He was a dirigible engineer. Wow. <laughs> yeah, like who go who who's an engineer with dirigibles? Like the first time I ever heard that that term dirigible, I was like, "What's a dirigible?" Dirigible. And you know, you can never, you know, you can never know with these guys. Sometimes they're just full of hot air. You know. <laughs> Dude, you almost made me spit all over the place. So, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, for you, for people out there that don't know, dirigible is a blimp. It's a it's a it's a big balloon that you can push in a direction but um it was kind of cool he was he showed me some old drawings that he had, he had done of of different types of blimps and um the whole thing with opalaka being this you know really flat moorish looking town that had these moorings where these dirigibles could come and mm -hmm. just you know hook up to oh yeah I'm convinced, especially learning about how in the Southwest United States, there were the the uh, Prussian, uh, I forget what the name of their little group was, but they had a whole dirigible fleet in mm -hmm. the 1800s in, in the Southwest United States. Dude, it'd be so easy just to mosey through the South down to Florida, go, go oh, to nice. these castles and just like kick it. Like, like that's the life. Yeah, it is. It, it really is. Um, I can, you want me to show you some Zeppelin stuff, some cool Zeppelin stuff with yes, uh, please. Opalaka. Um, the Graf Zeppelin was there. And all uh, with its, you know, national socialist insignia, it was touching down in Florida regularly. The and Germans love South Florida. Any of yes. us that live there, the Germans and the Norwegians, man, they come in force. Yeah. Now, before we get away from this, this downtown St. Augustine, look at the horse and the buggy. Okay, no cars. Yeah, this fully horse and buggy. And this is this picture is being taken from the Juan Bones de Leon Hotel. That's the one with the two towers I was showing earlier. Yeah. So that's the that's the building this picture is being taken from. This with the other two shorter towers that don't come to a point but are still impressive this is the hotel alcazar <clears throat> right over here is the hotel casa monica and these are all all three of these big buildings right here are solid monolithic buildings solid so it's a single cast of cement concrete limestone shell based cement and um yeah these... so so for for people to understand that we were talking earlier about weight so when you go to the hardware store and you pick up just a, a sack of cement right 96 pound sack of a cement 
that sack of cement is only four inches by 14 inches by 22 inches okay that's that's what a 98 pounds weighs yeah so he like he's saying this whole thing is cast monolithically which means it's one piece do you have any idea there are not hydraulic concrete pumps in the world today that could pump that amount of concrete to do a free cast because you can't have cold joints when you're doing monolithic pours which right. means you can't let it dry you know oh i'm just gonna pour for 12 hours one day and then let's stop and we'll pour for another 12 hours the next day no this is a single pour <laughs> oh my god people have now been- i don't now i don't know if it was a single pour they did have they did they would stop and start according to this according to the way they tell it but e- even this there's no um they would quite kind of what's almost what you're saying they shouldn't do is is actually what they're saying they did do is that they would just uh, pour a level and then oh just take a week off and then pour another level and incrementally did this so they're using a type of concrete then that we don't have now because even when you're doing foundational pours today with all the chemical Mm -hmm. amendments you're not you're not going to wait more than you know, 48 hours to do your next, your next level of pouring. Mm-hmm. Now you can see, do you think this is how they designed this place no. with the, with the water level coming three quarters of the way up the pillars, no. um, three quarters of the way up these staircases there. Now they'll tell you that this is the swimming pool right in the lobby of this building is the swimming pool just a flooded corridor with these pillars on either side you know solid limestone cast limestone essentially artificial limestone it's coquina shell crushed up but um what else did you want to talk about um you brought up the uh graph zeppelin this is a good one so that this is saint augustine moorish architecture well saint augustine was a moor by the way, from North Africa. Um, but Opa Laka, Florida, let's do 1900. You can still see my screen? Yes. This is the type of stuff you see in Opa Laka, Florida. Which is mind blowing, dude. 1900 or 1920. And you see that these uh, apparatuses at the top of these spires and minarets they're still there and they're like solid copper or solid steel they're still there um they're not tarnished they're virtually um brand new most of these if they haven't been been knocked off some of these have been knocked off but they're still there and they're actually revamping it since i put out my videos about the opalaka i don't know if there's a direct correlation but now the um the city city halls getting like a dude you should run for governor of florida that you've done so <laughs> so good for florida in so many ways well you, yeah give me a couple of years a kick kick you know senor ron out of there 
get my man Longo in there. So let's look at the graph, Zeppelin. An Opalaka Moorish architecture that we were just looking at. Well, what else is, like you said, a mooring station? How did we end up with those two words like that? To moor something is to dock it, especially. You can um, dock a boat, but you moor an airship. Mooring, right? You moor a boat too. You moor a gondola, but you moor an airship, meaning you tie it up, you dock it. <clears throat> now, let's look at this. I have to go on the Facebook here. But um, well, whatever, you can see it. This is the Graf Zeppelin with its National Socialist insignia making um, routine stops at not Miami, but Opalaka Skyport. Opalaka. Miami Springs, the little neighborhood outside of Miami. But Opalaka is this airport. And there you have the Graf Zeppelin. Now this land is Seminole land, Seminole, right? Seminoles. Mm -hmm. The Seminoles look like Moors. They look North African. They look like Berbers. They do not look Native American as we know it. They wear fezes. They wear vests, turbans. And we know the Nazi Germans were just enamored with North Africa. Like they couldn't get yep. enough of North Africa. Oh, yeah. Well, let's look at the Seminole flag. Okay. Oh, the yeah. Mod, the modern Seminole flag. Boom. <laughs> that looks like Germany to me, doesn't it? it tell, that is. Yeah. It's added the white. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, get rid of this. That's the German flag. German, that's the German and the Belgian colors. Now let's look at Muskegee. The Muskegee flag is the Ottoman flag. So <laughs> Germany was part of Autumn. It was part of the Ottomans too. There's but, your fertile uh, crescent, bro. This is the musk. Yeah, this is the Muskegee flag. The star and the fertile crescent. The lone star state of Texas. The crescent. Uh, state of South Carolina or um, you know New Orleans is Crescent City why because it's the nose of the crescent moon face is New Orleans sticking Long out Longo okay you, you have yet I've watched all of your videos and you're you're hedging tell me the real deal about Cuba 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 has to be special well, I don't know much about it, to be honest. I've never been there. Haven't focused my research on it. But um, my cat's uh, popping up a hairball here. <laughs> you should. You should get some research on it because okay. I'll tell you what. Off the coast of Cuba, the amount of like crazy artifacts that are in the ocean. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know what people inhabited Cuba, you know, as like, you know, the Spanish marauders that that took over there. But I have to say some of the most like industrious people I've ever met in my life were Cuban. 
mm-hmm. like they they're they're all MacGyver. Like they can all just like like take you know some some matchsticks and some gum and like start a car. Like they the each one like they're amazing people. And my friends that have been there and my my Cuban friends that have family there, they send me the pictures of their of of Havana mm-hmm. and like from the 40s and the 50s like the buildings it looks like it looks like a larger scale saint augustine of what you just shown it is like there's a reason why we we talked about this before why russia wouldn't let it go you know the ssr wouldn't wouldn't you know let the the capitalist takeover occur there so there's some i bet you Especially with the the whole hypothesis of that the Gulf of Mexico is the Fertile Crescent, the star that we see in these flags would be Cuba or the Caribbean, let's say. And Cuba actually has some decent mountain ranges. Like Cuba has has some elevation to it. So even if there was a big flood... I bet you there's many areas that you could that you could retreat to in Cuba and, and be okay during that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, five hundred feet. They've five hundred feet of flood. Cuba has five hundred feet of elevation, easy. Yeah. Um. So Florida doesn't. Only uh, Iron Mountain, I think, is like four hundred something feet. Not even. It might be like two hundred. I could be way off. Mm-hmm. Um. Dude. So I want to, I'm, I'm writing all of this down because I'm going to write a whole timeline, like a synopsis here. Um, where are you at? 1,000 feet, Iron Mountain, Georgia. Iron Mountain, Florida is 295 feet above sea level. Sorry. There we go. God, Florida is so, so flat. Yeah. <laughs> it's so low. So give me give me your bird's eye synopsis of of the the flow like as you see like is in your mind's eye it is the Americas or should I say was the Americas what the Greeks were talking about in their pantheon? Now I always point to the North Pole as being the origin of all of mankind. The North yes. Pole is the original starting point. If there ever was a single starting point to this linear story of mankind, which I don't think it's linear, but if we have to place a starting point, mankind would have started in... Man would have started... Man, not mankind, but man would have started in the North Pole. Now, this is Hyperborea, mm-hmm. is the North Pole. Now, there is another place... Arcadia, okay. There is this other type of Shangri-La, an earthly paradise. Now that this Atlant Atlantis, the paradise. Paradise comes from the Garden of Hesperides, also known as the Garden of the Atlantides. That's also the Garden of Eden. This is paradise. Now, in that sense, you have to remember that different myths get sandwiched on top of each other sometimes especially when you're uh, crossing religion mythology to religion and it's the same story getting distilled into a different um, brew you have with um 
I forgot what I was talking about. You talk about the Hespedes, <laughs> was it the Atlant uh, was the Atlantides? Yeah. Like in the Garden of Eden. Right. Moving. Yes. Now there are depictions of the Battle of Troy, for example, Scythian and Amazonian warriors being depicted exactly like native american warriors and native american women so the amazons the amazonians would have been american women somewhere in north or south america this is where that legend comes to us from and people that were so big that they didn't need to leave men behind to guard their cities so they would leave their women back to guard their cities because their women were six foot plus the surrounding natives were under five feet tall well there's your amazon myth and that would have been uh certainly would have been the case for florida certainly would have been the case for places like peru places like patagonia where you have evidence of a very tall people mm-hmm. um well this garden of atlantides garden of Hesperides, a forgotten land certainly is north and south america and this is the greater atlantis they even show you this in the 1500s 1600s 1700s uh they were plainly labeling North America and South America as Atlantis, North Atlantis, South Atlantis, um, inland Atlantis. There were there was um, all these different titles, especially for North America. Mm-hmm. But you know that is your Atlantis. Now I have other interpretations of Atlantis too. Like in the Bach saga, Atlantis is a time period and a mission. It's all the land is ice. So we know that some changes have occurred. And paradise, paradise, paradise is before the ice. That's before the ice came. Well, Florida has never seen any of that ice. All of the glaciers that have passed over North America have stopped dead in their tracks and been melted into thin air by the springs and the Gulf Stream and the spring water and all of this warm water oozing forth from the Gulf of Mexico, the Fertile Crescent area, that prevents any ice from forming or pushing into the Gulf of Mexico area. So Florida, this is why Florida still has all of its 30 million year old limestone still still sitting there because no glaciers ever came and, and pushed pushed them to the side so this tells you something it's a preserved area of protection there's little to no evidence um as much as you know i i like your lake okeechobee um volcano theory something that i point to a lot in florida is that there's not a single smidge of volcanic or seismic evidence of volcanic or seismic activity in the Florida Peninsula for at least 8,000 years back, 10,000 years back. Mm-hmm. So in human history, certainly no volcanoes, no nothing. 
So this would have been a safe haven. And every empire around the world would have taken note of that when their empire would be, you know, mudslided, volcanoed, tsunamied every so often. Florida does not does not deal with those things as close as as kind of as uh, as susceptible as Florida is. There's no tsunami. There's a very low risk of tsunami and tidal wave in Florida. Oh, it's because of the shell. Yeah, exactly. The the Floridian, the Florida platform, the Florida shelf kind of makes it impossible for a tidal wave to form off the coast and then come in and sweep over the coast. It just really can't happen. It gets it gets its legs cut out from underneath it. Mm-hmm. It can't. It can't. You just simply can't have a nothing over 30 feet can really form in that that shallow of a of a um of a shelf right right under the water so places in the in the pacific are really just you know sitting ducks waiting for the next tsunami to come through and push push the coastline back another hundred yards for the next 100 years and they rebuild closer and closer back out and into the to the coast and then takes another tsunami to push them back and and teach them not to um you know, in India, in India, I was talking in my book, my Baobab, Kalpa Vriksha video, um, Haladara, the guy I was interviewing, he was talking about how in India, they're very um, hesitant to build out close to the water. Because every so often, you get a tidal wave, you get a not a tsunami that would go in the news, but you don't have this degree of stability right out into the, the, um, coastal areas like you have in florida where you know my any sized hurricane can come through and it really wouldn't even put a dent in some of these coastal neighborhoods now you see in the west coast they, they build on some of these temporary islands and those are the ones that got destroyed in this most recent hurricane but in terms of the actual coast of florida um not not to mention the intracoastal itself is God's greatest break breakwater. Mm-hmm. It's it's it protects the entire state of Florida is insulated from the ocean by mm-hmm. by you know two degrees. It's it's pretty remarkable. So mm-hmm. that's another evidence of this forgotten land. It's a uh, place that empires wouldn't have just fought over, but would have kept secret. Would have kept secret. You know, some of my greatest evidence for Florida being a type of holy land is, well, don't don't uh, preoccupy yourself with who's talking about this and who's saying what about Florida and who used to live here. Just look at who moves here. Just let the actions speak for themselves. Who moves to Florida? Why do they move to Florida? What groups, what religions? Well, Judaism seems to have a, <laughs> has a, a very high concentration in peninsular florida south florida very high i mean they, they're certainly buying up property here like it's the holy land you know um then you have scientologists scientology purchased pretty much the entire city of clearwater florida 
that's where Tom Cruise has his penthouse and Connor Cruise lives. And um, so Scientology put their headquarters in Sierra, uh, Clearwater, Florida. That's on the West Coast, just south of Tampa Bay. Or not south, right in, right outside of Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Well, then you have all, like I said, the Orthodox Jews, um, just typical um, Hasidic Jews in Florida by the thousands. And then you have the Scientologists. Well, what else do we have? Mennonites and Amish are some of the people who... Mennonites and Amish people, they don't vacation. They don't mingle. They don't, they don't, you know, break their codes and their rules, except when they go to Florida, because they all go and have this secret special um, retreat in Florida, where they have a whole little town in Florida also, right next to Clear, uh, by Siesta Key. And Siesta Key is where you have this quartz sand, the quartz sand beach, 99% quartz sand beach in Siesta Key. It's also been voted the number one beach in America um, a couple different times. Well, that's where the Amish and the Mennonites go. It's the only place where where they'll literally take a vacation and take a break from their Mennonite lives. They go there, the girls will put on a little makeup. Amish they'll... girls gone wild. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they'll go, um, you know, they'll go uh, wear bikinis and the guys will use like fishing rods and they'll break all their rules. They'll ride bikes, you know. And it's crazy. It's like the Amish Las Vegas is. So you have these three religions acting as if this is a type of holy land, a promised land. And I think that speaks volumes to me. Um, yeah. That's awesome. Well, and the Greeks and the Greeks as well. Sorry. Yeah, the last, the last Greek, one in Greek there. Orthodox. Yeah. So I, before I let you go, you, you hinted at this and I'm not going to let you go without saying this. You hinted that you don't think time is linear yeah no so so give us the little the little tizzy (laughs) well it's pretty easy actually um it's pretty simple if we're gonna look towards any of these books to as if they have the answers well the answer is pretty obvious it it says right there in genesis that and, and this is echoed by just about every uh, great text of the world religions or world mythologies what you have is and this is definitive I, I love this too god creates the world he creates the confines of this you know existence this universe the mass the the uh volume you know the the parameters of this reality and where does the word reality come from? You can break, you can choose any word, pull any word out of the Old Testament, pull any word out of, out of your um, philosophical questions. And the answer will be in that word itself, reality, creator. Who's the creator? Kronos, Rhea, and Tor. So Kra, 
comes from Kronos, who is Saturn, who's time. Rhea is where we get words like reality, area. This is space. So space and time, they're husband and wife, Saturn and Rhea, Kronos and Rhea. And then you have Tor, their son, Thor, Tor, Jupiter. To be a Tor is to be an author, a creator, you know, these Tor words. So a narrator, Mm -hmm. right? This is to forge your own destiny, to be action within the time and the space. Now there's action. Now there's purpose. Now there's form. Well, Kronos, Rhea, and Tor, there's your creation, your creator. Well, look at creation too. Kronos, Rhea, T is the same thing as Tor or Tyr, Tyre, and which is an electrical impulse. The masculine principle, ta, very masculine sound. Then you have shun. Well, what's shun? Ion, eon, eon, ion. So creation, creator. The distinction between those two words is is clear in the words. But then let's talk about time. You asked about time. Well, that's the creator. Space, time, and then form were created. Those don't um well let's break down the equation god created the universe then he created time okay now god is saying in the first day this happened the second day well those aren't days that's not time this is these are acts of light those are acts of light light being manifested in different occasions Now, that doesn't mean that's a day because God has not created the sun and the moon and the stars yet. So these days are not distinguishable in the ways that we think as a day. God creates the universe and he's getting quite a lot done before he ever has the impulse to create time. So why is it that every expert or rather idiot that every, every, you know, a theologian with their head cut off like a chicken is running around trying to point at a at a point in time for when the universe was created when clearly clearly not just in the bible this is it this is mirrored in you know you name it the bhagavad gita where the confines of this universe were created then time was applied to it so how on earth are we going to try and trace back in time to a point when everything was created you simply cannot time is elliptical you could you yeah you could not even say cyclical you could say elliptical because there is a procession to it there is a not an imperfection but a course there is a course being played out and it's not the jellyfish flying through, through the universe that, you know, like NASA, of course not. But there is an act being played out and there is a procession and these things do change, but they come back to how they started. And that tells us everything we need to know of all the occurrences in the sky, of all the orbits, this and that, 
everything returns back to its original place and starts again with no deviation whatsoever. Polaris is not shifting. There's never going to be a new North Star. So the sky is cyclical. The movements of everything in the sky is cyclical. The movements of everything in the sky is the only metric we have to measure time objectively. Okay. That's all there is. No planets, no stars, no time. You might age, you might decay, but you can't quantify that. It is only through the passing and the orbits of the planets that we quantify time. This is how, why God created them. It says that in Genesis. So people need to stop trying to trace back, you know, oh, if, if, the, if I get a long enough receipt, I'll get down to the bottom and I'll, oh, there's the starting point. You know, there's the, no, it's, that's impossible. It's a fool's game. It's a fool's errand. It's, it's, it won't bring about anything. It's why these wars keep happening. It's why there's so much argument at the philosophical levels, at the religious levels, because people are arguing over an imaginary point in time completely imaginary now how and i don't blame people because the people running the world are very um uh, stupid or evil or both because they've actually not only have they tried to place a starting point in this time that we live in they've actually already put an ending point on it can you believe that oh yeah the sun oh that's gonna that's gonna uh, fizzle out in about 40 trillion bajillion years at, at uh, seven o'clock p.m. on a Wednesday, you know, right in this star system. And then it's all just going to go black. And there, bravo, to, you know, take a bow, NASA. Well, it's a uh, <laughs> it's foolish. It's all made up for show. Everything the church told you astrology was bad. Why? Because they don't want you talking. They don't want you learning about why it didn't work with your ex-boyfriend. No, because astrology proves that the sky goes on forever and the planets go on forever and their orbits are perpetual. They never cease. They never falter. And that cannot occur in a haphazard um, ant, ant enclosure of a solar system where it's rock versus rock. You know, mass versus mass, consuming mass, this black hole's consuming that one. It's all nonsense, of course. I know I'm preaching to the choir here with you and your audience, but it, it, the astrology is key in proving a lot of this. Time goes on forever. It's not going to end. It's not going to, you know, the time, the, the clock's not going to run out of wind, you know, it's, right. it's going to run forever. That's the takeaway, really. Well, that's wonderful. Let's let's go ahead and cut it there, Mr. Longo, Dr. Sure. Longo. <laughs> uh, yeah. This has been brilliant. I'm going to share. I share all of your all of your work on my Telegram channel. Where can people find you? Old World Florida on YouTube. Old underscore World underscore Florida on Instagram. And I've got a Rumble now. So I'm starting, but, started putting stuff up on, up on Rumble, but yeah. What's it called on there? Same thing. Old world, Florida, old world, Florida on Rumble. Yeah. Awesome. Is that your brother in the background? That's my assistant, Jeff. 
Okay. Yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, nice, nice to hear you, Jeff. Yeah, I, I, um, I've become fast friends with Juan of One on One. Oh, nice. Uh, I tried to solicit your brother, and I got rejected. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah the the professor, the professor. From, you what, well, how did you solicit him from through Juan? Yeah. And Juan didn't want to give you his number. No, Juan. Juan said he does. He's not doing interviews. No, he's just. I'll talk to him for you. Yeah, because I I think I can nerd pretty hard with your brother. If you yeah, were, if, oh my brother's. No, continue. I'm, I'm gonna be in Florida the second week of July. I'll be down there for like eight days. We gotta get together. I would love to show you um, just a bunch of. I don't know, like what I'm bringing to market, like with all the different buildings and the way I do my buildings are pretty unique. And like, I can't even tell you how much this, you talking about a castle being cast, like what that just did for my heart was just <laughs> because that's how I do my buildings. I cast my buildings. So, Shell, yeah, man. <laughs> as always, man, you bring it. And I really appreciate you coming on. I'll probably post this this Friday and I'll send it to you as soon as it's up. Okay. For sure. All right, brother, man. Talk to you soon. All right. You have a good one. Gentle folk, I hope you enjoyed the podcast with Dr. Narcolongo. He and I are going to get together when I go to Florida in July. We'll probably do a live stream together, which will be a lot of fun. Uh, he's a good dude. He's really putting out excellent content. And um, it, it, it's really awesome to see so, much, so many hunches be substantiated. You know, in doing body work and in studying polarity therapy, there there's this there's this knowingness that the material aspect of our being carries a, a remnant, like an echo of our spirit. And to hear about these mounds uh, that were all throughout the the world. And to hear especially about them in Florida. And I lived the very first area neighborhood I lived in. Uh, it was South Florida. It was extremely flat. But the neighborhood itself was centered around a golf course. And the golf course was crazy because the, the actual, the only place us kids could go where there was like a quote unquote hill or something that we could like roll our um, skateboards down was the clubhouse for this for this uh, particular country club and we were on the outskirts of this neighborhood that we weren't actually on on the golf course it was the first golf course in Fort Lauderdale and man it was a big big hill and <laughs> To, to think that there's all these different areas where you have the energy of the old chieftains, the, the, the men of renown being harnessed by the current, the current people in charge, let's say, or the current people that think that they're in charge is it's, it kind of fits. There is the Ka that is transferred. That's the Egyptian word for essentially the power of the bones. And um, 
you know, even if you don't believe it, the people that run our financial system, the people that uh, run, I guess you could just say the the debtor side of existence, they 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 really try and harness these energies. And by us being educated on it, we just the light of our consciousness and our connection to our creator helps us get through it. So thank you for joining the podcast. Uh, each one of these podcasts is building on the former. And uh, we're, I'm definitely, <laughs> the guests I have coming up are, are really remarkable. And uh, I, really, I really appreciate your support. Our chat has turned into a wonderful index of information. People are sharing uh, different connections. Uh, we had a, a recent uh, video series shared by AWAR. That was awesome. And uh, I highly recommend you checking out our chat. We're going we're gonna to put the link in the show notes. And uh, all support that you can send this way is appreciated. The reciprocal nature of life is a real thing because uh, if I give to you information and inspiration and you give to me in whatever way you can, then that's what creates the upward spiral. And uh, that really helps. We got, it's amazing what things cost now. I feel like the old man, like back in my day. But uh, yeah, the operation to, to put this out and the amount of time that goes into this is, is significant. So I really appreciate anything that uh, you can donate. You can do that at toferhq.com. And please spread the love. You know, if you think this is pertinent information for other people, you know, just just go ahead and, and cast the pearls wherever you can. So thank you for joining us and we'll see you soon. I can tell.